Hello everybody and welcome to your Friday edition of the Bloodbread podcast. I'm your host Theo Squires and congratulations you've successfully navigated another international break. We're back to the big football, the club football and it doesn't get much bigger does it? Manchester City versus Liverpool. Joining me today to preview it, it's Paul Gorst, our Liverpool correspondent, home and away. Ian Doyle, our senior Liverpool writer and Beth Lindop, our women's correspondent. I don't think I've seen you two gents at all during this break. You've had a nice couple of weeks off, hopefully reporting back injury free. How are you both? Not about injury free. Um, there was a dummy knee playing a playing a thing at Melbourne yesterday. The Anfield <laughs> experience. When I, I can't even say that. Can I went uh, head over heels, shall we say, playing uh, playing <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, good good to be back. Um, the last international break now until March, isn't it? And I think um, I think we're glad to see the back of them. I know certainly Jurgen Klopp is because he keeps getting lumbered with the R12 on the uh, on the other side of it. So um, yeah, we're. Just about to hit the home stretch for, for Christmas and games coming left, right and centre and um, I think we're all ready for it. And you I'm 47 it. years of age. Everything hurts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so just getting up in the morning is a bit of an event. And by the way, I'd like to pick you up on the international break. You absolutely love the international break. You love it. You just love international football. You I can't go that far. Yeah, I, I, I probably would. If it was you, yeah. I don't anyway. know. It's just nice to get out and about and speak to some <laughs> players because it's a bit limited at times, isn't it? Especially when they're not doing well. At least they're doing well at the moment. Anyway, Beth, uh, it's not been the best time for the women, but how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I have sort of a double whammy of, of international breaks. So it is, as one door closes, another another opens. We've got another women's international break next week, which is a uh, which is a pain for um, at least the Reds are back. So gives us lots to talk about. Before we dive into all the Man City stuff, we have had a big stadium update this week. Over to you for the story, because I think you yeah. wrote the story yesterday. Anfield Rodent will be ready for the start of the year, confirmed, and we're going to have a Manchester United game as the one to open it half, is it? Um, half I think they don't know when the whole upper tier is going to be open yet, so they're not really saying that. And you can't blame them after what's happened already <laughs> with this, you know, certain dates and them selling tickets for games that never, you know, the seats never actually existed it's for some of them. But... They've announced that we reckon about half of the upper tee will be open for the Manchester United game onwards, which doesn't seem like a lot when you think it's December the 17th, but we will have four home games mm. between then and January the 1st, and the three of them are big. Well, yeah, I'd probably argue that all four of them are big ones. United, Arsenal and Newcastle in the Premier League and West Ham in a, in a cup quarterfinal. So it's a good time for Liverpool to get more fans in. And of course, the funny thing is that there'll have been those fans who had tickets for those games initially, certainly United game, then went, oh, we can't go cancelled travel plans and then they've now got an opportunity to go back and actually go to the game so I think they'd be more than willing to take the hit though if they're going to get inside Anfield and watch a game against United Anyway we've had a Jurgen Klopp's press conference today you were there Gorsty uh, I think it's quite normal for him when he's got these <clears> good <throat> games to not give too much away yeah. there were a couple of interesting lines and we obviously had the injury update yesterday that pretty much everyone's fit what have you learnt from it? Yeah it was um it wasn't what I expected, actually. I thought he might get peppered with questions about Everton's points deduction and stuff like that. Normally, Sky Sports, when they kind of take the lead on these press conferences at the beginning, being the rights holders, they normally ask the managers across the league about the burning issue of the league at the time. And um, that, for me, would have would have been expected. But he only really got asked it towards the end, didn't he? Um, got, and he, he kind of played at the straight bat, which um, I was a little bit surprised about, so he doesn't always do that. But... Um, most of the talk was about his record at Man City. Um, there was some talk about Darwin Nunes, was there? Did he get asked about Nunes? Yeah, Nunes and Salah. Um, yeah, and Salah, Salah's kind of understanding with, with him. But um, yeah, it was all just previewing, previewing the game, wasn't it? Liverpool's toughest away day of the season, without question. Um, I suppose if you ask 
the other kind of 18 teams in the league you know what's what's your hardest away game of the season I think it'd be a toss up between the Etihad and Anfield so for Liverpool it's it's their toughest one <clears throat> not got a great record there after they haven't won this since 2015 um, so uh, it's going to be tough but the good news is you know he's got Gomez Canate back um, club obviously made special provisions for the South American quartet so um, they're going there with um, with a good bill of health really so um, it's going to be fascinating I think and Doyle he was in good spirits as well wasn't he joking about that 12.30 kickoff that we know he loves so much yeah well he's admitted it now hasn't he he said that he absolutely loves 12.30 kickoffs changed his tune hasn't he yeah <laughs> I mean, we if all only just to stop getting asked about it yeah we all love the 12.30s don't we because we, we get a breakfast at the games which is always a nice little bonus yeah uh, they're all right when they're in Manchester yeah, they're not so yeah. much when they're in Bournemouth was it the Manchester Crystal breakfast Crystal last Palace. year that was a bit weird because it had like the fish in it as well oh apparently uh, recently had beef there oh. as well so you had bacon, sausage, eggs, beef and the beef was uh, with the, the Premier League wasn't it? Well, they've always got the perennial beef. <laughs> no, the Premier League, very good there. Um, the other thing that he mentioned in his press conference was Alexis McAllister. He got asked, didn't he, about about him, and <laughs> the question was kind of phrased around without saying he's not really number six, but was that the point he was getting to? Uh, and Klopp's like, well, is he a natural one? No, he says. But then he, interestingly, he said, well, football's changed over the last couple of years, so maybe that role's changed. You don't just want somebody in there who can just go around, boot people up in the air, block people, and then when it comes to... that's how I play football. Well, well, yeah. (laughs) But then when it comes to actually passing it, they're they're absolutely hopeless or don't want to do it. And I think the inference there is obviously McAllister is a player who can do the passing. We know that, though. The problem's always been what's his positioning like as a defensive midfielder, how easy can he get to the ball, how often is he knocked off at that kind of thing. And... Yeah, you wouldn't expect Klopp to say anything else, but it was interesting that he put it in the context of it being a new style of a number six. Yeah. Um, which, but then you look at Manchester City and they've got very much the epitome of the, what, what, presumably now the old style number six in Rodri. Yeah, he, he can do both though, can't he? Mm. He, is, he is probably the, the preeminent number six in world Well, there's football. not many number six who've scored winners in Champions League finals, mm. although somebody's now going to watch this podcast and reply with about seven of them straight off. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there is that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, McAllister, he's... Well, Klopp's, as I was, I was about to say, Klopp's going to say all of that because he knows quite well that this is going to be his number six. For what we're led to believe, what we've heard or the suggestions is that they're not going to buy number six in January or not certainly at the moment and not looking at it, which we've all got our own views on that, shall we say, and some supporters have as well. Don't forget the Endo's there as well, but... He's only started two Premier League games. Did well against um, against Brentford last time out, but Brentford at home is not the same as Manchester City away, which is, of course, you just said, it's probably the most difficult game ever, apart from at the moment, apart from obviously Stoke City away on a Tuesday night. Um, so I do think that we will get onto our team selection obviously a little bit later on in this. It'll be interesting to see what we all do. <laughs> Um, I want to follow up now with Salah and Nunes. Obviously, Klopp's been quite positive about them and their partnership. Beth, you like both players a lot, as do all of Pool mm-hmm. fans. And it, it could be quite a big weekend for Mo Salah. I think he's on 149 Premier League goals, 198 Liverpool goals altogether. What have you made of their, their blossoming partnership? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been fantastic to see, hasn't it? I think, you know, Mo Salah quietly sort of goes about his business, doesn't he? And I think even if he's, he's not sort of reached the heights of, of when he first came to the club, he's still, you know, leading the way in, in a number of metrics in the league. And he's just just a phenomenal talent, isn't he? And, and I think that partnership with, with Nunes is, is fantastic. Obviously, 
it's very hard to replicate the sort of numbers and the sort of the almost telepathic connection that, that Mane, Salah and Firmino had in a front three. But I think, you know, when you look at the amount of goals that they've, they've sort of laid on for each other, I think is it Nunes assisted Salah nine times now or, or eight times, something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's certainly around that, that figure, isn't it? It's all um, the goals Nunes has assisted is for Salah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say congratulations because I tried to say that stat a couple of weeks ago and butchered it completely. <laughs> Doily had to bail me out <laughs> to tell Joe what it actually was. Um, yeah, so I mean, that just speaks volumes, doesn't it, about sort of the connection that they've, they've got sort of version in between the two of them and I think you know it's credit to, to Nunes as well I think he's obviously more of a conventional number nine isn't he but equally his ability to bring other players into the game and especially Salah into the game as well is is obviously there and I think obviously it, both of them I think there'll be goals tomorrow again and we'll get to our score predictions later on but you know I imagine at least one of them will be on the score sheet tomorrow I think Liverpool's problem will be can they handle you know, can they resist the, the Manchester City attack? I'm not too sure. But I think from an attacking perspective, you know, that there's so much for Liverpool to be positive about. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot on the pod lately about, about Nunes and, and about Salah. And then you forget the likes of, of Cody Gakpo and what he can bring to to this team as well. And obviously Luis Diaz now, obviously with all that being resolved with with his family. Um, and Diogo Jota, who just seems to, to score. I think the, the best Diogo Jota description I've ever heard was, was Joe Rimmer when he said he just scores the most snide goals ever. He'll, <laughs> he'll play 90 minutes, do virtually nothing, and then he'll, he'll score. So, um, yeah, Liverpool have such a, a wealth of attacking talent now, and, and Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah are just central to that. I quite enjoyed Klopp's comments on Salah, where he was trying to describe how he's changed and the way that he described it. It's very convoluted, but he more or less said, yeah, when he first got here, he was dead selfish and now he's less selfish. That was basically <laughs> what he was trying to say. But he, he did couch it in the terms that probably the reason he was quite selfish at the beginning, because he felt as though he needed to prove something to himself, to the fans, to people who you know doubted him when he went was at Chelsea, and also the manager, which is why in that first season he scored so many goals. But you look at him now, and it was Thomas Frank, wasn't it? He said it after the last game. Yeah. He says, "Look, you know how good is this? You know, it can not so much goes under the radar, but I think it's taken for granted a little bit." I mean, we've written every other month. We write a story saying, "Like is Salah taken for granted?" And I think when he stops playing for Liverpool, you'll suddenly realise, like within like a year or two, you'll sit back and go, "Wow, he was good." Mm. And you only you don't really notice it as much in the moment. But again, going back to me being old. You kind of notice these things a bit more. The more players you see, it's just experience. Same as he's got experience in his playing career. Anybody who's watched a lot of football, you can tell when someone's really good. The more players you see, and Salah is, for me, one of the best players that's ever played for Liverpool. So there you go. I think it's it's interesting as well because I think sort of in the summer it was almost like a, a foregone conclusion with him not having moved to, to Saudi last summer that you know next summer or if not January that he'd maybe be on his way and and that was sort of. A foregone conclusion but I think when you watch him and he's still performing at such a high level and we know he's so competitive isn't he and he wants to smash records left right and centre and I just can't imagine in a year's time he's going to want to relinquish playing you know at the highest level in Europe I mean I might be proven wrong and I know money talks and and all sorts but I, I just when you look at him now and the form that he's in I just I'd love him to stay at Liverpool beyond next summer You can get another two seasons out of him at least I think on top of this one you know, he'll only be 32 in June, which in old money was, was probably when you start looking towards your retirement. But it's different now, isn't it? You know, look at Lionel Messi just won the World Cup there in, in December last year and he's 36, is he? Cristiano Ronaldo, okay, he's, you know, he's, he's in Saudi Arabia, but he was still scoring Premier League goals for, for Manchester United when he was 37, 38. Not, not many, though. Not many. No, but he, he did in the first United season. United weren't great, but he was still scoring goals, wasn't he? He was still their top scorer. 
Um, the last time he was in Rich, still at Milan when he was 40. Lewandowski. Giroud's doing it now, of course, at AC Milan. Sorry. Giroud. Yeah, Giroud. Yeah, to, to a less, lesser extent. Um, Lewandowski was obviously still one of Barcelona's main men, wasn't he? And he's 33, maybe, 34. So I think the top players look after themselves better and, and no one... No one's more professional than Salah. Um, so I just don't get this idea that because he's in his 30s, that his powers are on the wane. That certainly not this season. Um, I think the people have got a big, big decision to make. I think he has as well, and, and there needs to be some communication between his agents and the club and whatever else. But um, I just hope that he doesn't kind of shuffle off to Saudi when he's still one of the best players in the world. It would be a massive shame. Sticking with you for this one, Gusty, because I think you wrote the original piece when it all happened. We're talking five years ago. When the City Amazon Prime documentary came out, there was the famous quotes from Guardiola saying he was scared of Liverpool's attack. And the managers, both of them today, have said the teams are very different to when they were facing each other then. But Liverpool's attack still lines up in a similar sort of way. They take advantage of those spaces in behind and Guardiola's come out and said his side play a way that suits Liverpool. Might, might not be. Mane's not there. Firmino's not there. And Salah still is. But that front five, it's so dangerous now. There's so much pace. Even though you don't know who's going to start, they're going to cause City problems, you'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, they've scored 35 goals between them, I think. I don't think there's been a game when... Well, there hasn't been a game where at least one of them hasn't scored. So if if you manage to keep the three, you start quiet. There's two off the bench who you, you might not be able to keep quiet. And there's, there's loads of options there in terms of what they've all got quality-wise. They're all very different types of players. And I think that will only help Liverpool. I think counter-attack-wise is where Liverpool can possibly get at City tomorrow with Nunes' pace and Salah's pace. Um, there was a goal Liverpool scored in the League Cup last year and they obviously got beat, but I think Oxlade-Chamberlain released Nunes and Nunes played it for Salah and, and Salah scored. And it was very simplistic in its execution, but it was because Liverpool had the pace to make the most of the space in behind. And, and I think that might be how they're going to have to play it tomorrow. But the... Um, the question is whether Klopp is willing to make provisions. He doesn't really tend to do that for any team, and, and will he do it for, for City away? I'm not sure, but I, I do think that there is some joy to be had for Liverpool tomorrow. Donny, you've already alluded to it already, I think, um, with the South Americans and coming back from the international break. Obviously, there's been a lot talked about this, each international break, how they're coming back late. But Liverpool have made provisions. They have gotten them back that little bit earlier. They were in training yesterday. Is there any concern that they're not going to be fit, raring to go for this game, or can you have that trust now? Yeah, go and get the job done. Um, I don't know. Is your answer <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm not them, so I, I don't see their physical state. However, what I would say is that they're going to have more chance of being in a better state than they were after the Wolves game, where they didn't make many, if any, provisions. And McAllister got subbed at half time, and Diaz was limited. The second, I think Nunes as well was limited to the second half, and came on at half time, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they yeah. Well, didn't they? yeah McAllister did not play well, and that goes back to what. Yeah, he needs to play well. Uh, presumably, he's going to play against City tomorrow. So, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I think the players themselves have got their heads around it, and also there's the whole fact that it's technically a home game. Let's be honest, Manchester's not that far away, and it's such a big game. How can you not be up for it anyway? Even if you're a bit tired, I'm pretty sure Man City have got players who are a bit knackered after the uh, after their internationals. Well, this is one where the internationals, Liverpool had like ten players playing on the last day. Mm. which was the Tuesday, and then four of them were playing the early hours of Wednesday. City only had three. So small margins. We know how small margins can decide these games. There is that added concern to it, whether they have to be at the peak well, there physical is, there condition. Is. But let's be honest, that's, not, that's probably not going to decide this game, is it? Let's be honest. I don't think there is. I think 
there's bigger things that are going to happen in this game rather than one of the players getting a bit tired in the 85th minute as opposed to the 95th. Although now that I've said that, again, someone's going <laughs> to lose a little bit of pace and someone will run away from somebody and score. Is it, is it Europa League next week? It is, yes. That's on the so Thursday. You'd imagine the City's game in the Champions League will be more important. I think it'll be on Tuesday. That's why the Liverpool game is on Tuesday, the yeah. Saturday because they couldn't do it on the Sunday because City are on the Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. And also, so, they're through anyway, though, so... Mm. But well, imagine most of them are going to get a rest, aren't they, Liverpool-wise, for, for next yeah. week. So they're not going to be playing until the following week. So maybe, you know, if they are a little bit fatigued or whatever, it, it, it can be something that they can just push through for, for this one and just and get through. And the other thing on top of that is that they've got four players who didn't play for the last two or three weeks because they've been injured. So they're going to be, you know... Well, Curtis Jones barely played for two months. Well, that's it. Curtis Jones, Ryan Gravenberch, uh, Joe Gomez. Some of the ones who were on international and Simicast Simicast came, came back early. Yeah, Simicast came back early. Jota so, didn't play in their last game. So Gareth was a late sub against Gibraltar. There you go. It's not that bad, really. You made it all positive <laughs> now, haven't you? <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> Beth, it is a, a trip to the Etihad, and let's be honest, Liverpool's record there is not great in recent years. They've only won once there against Guardiola. I think the one league win under Klopp, and that was, what, 2015? Yeah. You yeah. did the piece last week. Emre Chan's back heel. Are you concerned by that? Is this the time Liverpool are going to finally get that monkey off the back? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I think it's, it's always nerve-wracking when you go to, to the Etihad. As you say, the recent record there has been has been poor, um, and it's maybe one of those those grounds. I suppose we see it in the in the other way with with City coming to to Anfield. Is you know when did they last win at Anfield in front of fans? It was you know a long Nicholas time. Nicholas and the winner. Yeah. yeah, long time ago. And you do you even remember to... that one? No, I don't actually. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so you, you you look at that and you think is there a psychological element to, to that with City coming to Anfield and obviously, you know we're bi- very biased, but you probably say the Anfield's atmosphere is a lot more um, imposing and, and threatening than the than the atmosphere at the Etihad. Um, but yeah, maybe there is a little bit of a psychological element that's developed there as well. Um, I think obviously Liverpool last season it was hugely disappointing. I think Klopp said that this morning in, in his press conference. You know that result. Regardless of the disparity between the two sides last season, you never want to go to to sort of your biggest rivals, your biggest recent rivals, and and you know lose it in the manner that they did last season. So, um, I don't think it will be as comprehensive a victory for Manchester City tomorrow if Manchester City go on to win. I think it'll be a lot closer. Um, I think there'll be goals. I think Manchester City can be can be got at this season, and I think that's something that we've you know we've obviously touched on a little bit. On the pods so far this season, but I think you know defensively they've got the vulnerabilities and they can be exploited. And I think, in a way, sometimes I, I fear for Liverpool more playing against the the teams at the bottom of the league who are going to sort of sit back in that in that low block and because that's when Liverpool historically have tended to struggle in, in breaking those teams down. And actually, you know, as Guardiola referenced earlier on, when when Liverpool can counter attack and, and show their pace and and how fearsome they can be on the attack, then. You know that that's when they can have some real joy. So um, I am nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm not feeling incredibly confident about it. But I do think that it you know it won't be. I don't think Liverpool will, will roll over. I think they will definitely uh, provide stern opposition tomorrow. Gorsi, we seem to be saying this every week, but the midfield battle it is big for Liverpool. That number six, that debate is always going to go on. I think Rodri missed a game in the international break, but he's back. How are you thinking Liverpool are going to line up against them, whether it's McAllister or Endo in that number six position? It is something that is going to decide this game. And for Liverpool, there is that lack of quality there compared to a player like Rodri. Yeah, I mean, Rodri, like I said before, is probably the best at that position, isn't he? But um, I think it'll just come down to, to everyone having to, to put in a shift. Cop said basically, um, 
you know, McAllister has the six works well when the, the team works well. Um, so it's just it's just about closing spaces, isn't it? And I, I think the big issue for City is no Kevin De Bruyne. You know, he's he's normally superb in these games where he just finds the pockets of space. So then he's the, the most creative player on the pitch. You, you, the, the amount of times he finds space is just incredible, really. Um, so that'll be a big miss for City, a big bonus for Liverpool. Um, but I think, I mean, the Trent situation for me is going to be massive. You know, he's going to move into midfield when he can and look to play those passes. And we know he's been doing that for, what, eight months or so now, hasn't he? But Jeremy Doku on the left side for City has, has been in great form since he moved from... Um, they moved from Rennes, was it, yeah, in France? Um, so that's going to be a key battle, I think. You know, he, he looks an, ele- an electric player when I've seen him for, for City and, and for Belgium. So that's going to be the big one for me, possibly more than the midfield battle. And Doyle, you spoke to Trent, I think, was it after the Brentford game when mm. he was talking about two City players have helped inspiring him for playing that inverted role. It was the City defeat last time that was like what kick-started the change of formation. That's when Liverpool had to respond. What was it like Trent was saying there and how do you think it goes up against City when it is a side that have been playing this formation a lot longer and it's where Liverpool have got that inspiration from? Well, you can draw a line in the sand, can't you, after that game? Because it was after that that they changed the formation and they've only lost one Premier League game since then. Is it 20 odds? Like 23? Yeah, and that was, it is. Totally that was wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. With the five asterisks yeah, next that, to it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. When, they had a, when they had a goal allowed and then didn't appear on the score sheet, which was... Uh, if still, it was, still, they'd be top of the table. Still, well, this, this is the thing, yeah. the own goal. Um, so yes, he did mention Rodri and John Stones. Um, I think he mentioned some other players. Well, I say I think he did. I just can't remember the. Uh, <laughs> it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he spoke yeah, to him. Yeah. Quite a lot's happened since then. Did someone um, ask him? About, sorry, did someone ask him about those players though, or did he offer? No, he offered him. He said he That's said, are, any, "Are there any players mm. that?" And he, he said, "Yeah, obviously at Man City, there's John Stones, and there's also Rodri." And he says, "I obviously watched Stevie G when I was growing up." And he mentioned Pirlo. Yeah. And I think Lamb was another one. I think, or maybe just made yeah. that up. He may have mentioned that in the past, actually. Um, so, you know, aim high. <laughs> yeah. If he's going to do the job, may as well do it properly. Uh, he did say, though, that, you know, he, he kind of, well, he did, I'm not so much he said it in that one, or he certainly said it recently, where he knows he's this, he's this different kind of player than most of the others, as in not them, just any kind of footballer. And Liverpool have, have always tried to embrace that. It'll be interesting to see what happens on um, Saturday at City because. If he's going into midfield, to be fair, there are, he's even mentioned this, he has mentioned this, where he picks and chooses the times now. Doesn't have to do it all the time. It was the game, we mentioned this before earlier in the season against Aston Villa at home, where Villa had played against Liverpool towards the end of last season, was it the last home game? And they just flooded the middle to, to try and get the ball off Trent and had someone running down the wing or whatever. Or, you know, they had, they had this kind of thing and Liverpool just couldn't work it out at all for about an hour. But this time, Trent chose not to go in there and the winger had tucked in and he just kind of just was there. He didn't, he didn't know what to do and Trent controlled the game from right back. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to control the game against Man City. Who does? You know, but I don't think it necessarily means that he's going to be going to midfield all the time, even if he plays the inverted right back role and that will all depend on how the midfield shapes up anyway which if I was in charge they wouldn't be doing that anyway so <laughs> for this game at least but it adds variety to Liverpool's play and yes if you're going to pick somebody to base your game on in that respect I was, I was surprised he said Rodri by the way because he's, he is a defensive midfielder isn't he? He's the archetypal so which, yeah, but that defensive kind of shows midfield, isn't he? That Trent's already thinking long term I want to be playing in midfield as he has done for 
for England, little nod to the international break there. Well, we, we know he, <laughs> he considers himself as a midfielder for England, doesn't he? So well, he's on the, he's on the squad mm. list as a midfielder, isn't he? So um, I, I, he isn't for Liverpool, um, but I think this is a game, as you said before, this is one where, never mind his midfield abilities, let's see what he's like defensively. He's done it before, did he get Sally famously in that mm. 2018 game? So, uh, Beth, before we move on to the teams, a uh, nice little time for women's roundup from you. And it's not been the best few weeks for Liverpool, they have lost a few games. Uh, where's that loss of form come from? I don't think it's 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 time to panic, really. I mean, they, they've made an excellent start to the season, really. I think it's 11 points they've got. Um, and I think at this stage last season, they had about five. So, they, you know, they, they've really improved for, from last term. And I think, you know, they, they've had, you know, some really big wins, obviously, against Arsenal at the Emirates on the opening day. And um, they've, they've been excellent at times. They've played some really good football. I think they've recruited really shrewdly. Um, and I think for the first time, I think sort of the times last season, I was watching them and I was thinking sort of in comparison to, to the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's, you know, how are Liverpool going to close that gap? And I didn't feel like the, the ingredients were there for them to be able to do that anytime soon. And I think, you know, it still will be a while. I think there'll be a couple of transfer windows before they're really sort of vying for the, the top honours in the league. But I think this season you've seen from the club a real concerted effort to to get behind the women's team in a way that they've they've not done for a long while. Obviously, they've, they've moved into Melwood. Um, as I say, they've signed some good players. Um, so I think overall it's been a positive start. As you say, the last week has been disappointing. Really, they obviously went away to to Chelsea last weekend at Stamford Bridge, and uh, they made a liar of me really because the day before I'd written an article saying how good they'd been defensively. I think it's before that Chelsea game they'd uh, they had they conceded the, the joint least amount of goals uh, with Chelsea in the league, and then they shipped five at, at Stamford Bridge. Um, but yeah, Chelsea can do that to anyone, to be honest. And you know, Lauren James got a hat trick, and she's just a phenomenal talent. We've seen that for club and country. So. Um, yeah, a disappointing afternoon and I think sometimes in those games when you go a few goals down, you capitulate a little bit and I think that's maybe what happened. And then it was at Prenton Park in midweek for a, a League Cup game with, with Manchester United and they lost that 1-1-0, but it was much closer and they probably should have got an equaliser at the end. So um, positives to take from both games and, and from the season over, overall and um, a big game on, on Sunday against Brighton at Prenton Park and if they can win that one then they're going into the international break in really good shape. Could be a, a nice little Liverpool double header then, fingers crossed. Well, let's hope so, six points from the two games are <laughs> doing me fine, yeah. Now onto the teams and I'm, I'm sure we're all going to say Alisson starts in goal even though uh, he's had to do the the international break when Edison got spared. But back four, what were you all thinking? Of course, do you start with you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the the big question is who partners Van Dijk? Is it going to be Canate who's, who's come back or, or Matip? Uh, that's been a call that's been easier to make than other times over the last couple of years. Like sometimes it's been a lot closer between them. Sometimes Canate's been in far better form. So I don't really know what to do with this one. Um, I might stick. I might go with Canate, and obviously I'll keep Simakas at left back. Who's your right back then, Trent? Yeah, yeah. Or about you, Beth? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you just made a noise like, there. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go Canate and Van Dijk, Simakas. I'm going to, I think sometimes Klopp against City has, has made a few quirky little choices. So I'm going to go Joe Gomez at right back with the reason that I'm going to put Trent in midfield. So that's what makes me seem better about myself, feels better about myself, yeah. what I'm about to say. Um, Ooh, intrigued uh, now. Canate, he's going to have to play purely on the basis that he's fast. And I think it's Trent who will be playing right back. Um, he's, he's going to need a bit of help, isn't he? Van Dijk's obviously going to play. 
And I would play Joe Gomez, but I play him at left back. Simakas has played 26 minutes against Man City in his entire career, I think it is. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of those was his first game for Liverpool. He came on five minutes when they got beat um, 4-1 at home. Um, so while he was a lot better against Brentford, by his own admission, he's not been great. And it was interesting that Joe Gomez played left back against Luton. Luton, which to be fair was probably the wrong game to play him in because Luton just didn't offer really very much going forward. And Liverpool needs, you know, Simicast is better going forward. But I will play Gomez at left back just to help shore things up because of what else I've got going on in the team. Sticking with the young <laughs> midfield, there's a, a few players we hope in a back from injury that have been back in training, Graven Birch and Jones. Yeah. Are they either of them starting? One of them is, yeah. One of them. Yeah. And I guess Jones. It is Jones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's playing. But he's not playing on the left side of the midfield. He's playing in a two alongside McAllister. Oh, change of formation. So we're going to go full two, three, one. So Jones will be on the left, McAllister on the right. And Sobosly can kind of be in front of them, kind of floating or helping out the front three. Now, part of the reason for that is obviously because I don't really think McAllister can do the whole number six thing on his own. But I also think that you need Curtis in there for this game. I think he's someone who can keep hold of the ball. He's someone who knows the game. He's someone who I think Liverpool have missed that he's not been playing. And he can add a little bit of composure, which is what they're going to need also. I think for the he did this, I know Wolves away is not Man City away. Second half he played well in the two, although that was alongside Saboslai. So, yeah, I do that. And also, what can happen though is he can shift across to the left if Trent comes into midfield, if, you have, if he fancies it for a little bit. So, method in my madness. See, I've thought about this. Is it just unlike, unlike the other That's why you've had two weeks off, haven't yeah, exactly, you? Yeah. <laughs> two weeks off at home to think about this. What about you, Beth? Are you going to change formation or go well, with something? Oh, you said Trent in midfield. You did what make you a really compelling argument there for uh, Joe Gomez at left-back. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, it's made me doubt my, my choices. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm gonna have courage in my convictions and it's never going to happen, but I'm just going to whack Trent in midfield. Why not? Um, stranger things have happened. Um, and he's going to go in there alongside McAllister and Bosley. But you, Ghosty? Yeah, I can see I can see the Meriton Lulu's team selection. I think you know what's that saying about Bats? No, I was just thinking specifically <laughs> with with Jones as the the whole midfielder, which I'm really seen have we since pre-season, other than the, the second half against Wolves. Um, I mean, I think at times it's going to have to be three holding midfielders mm-hmm. against City, particularly if they've managed to pilfer a, a goal on, on a counter attack with with the, the forward plays that we've spoken about. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jones over Graven Birch and um, obviously McAllister and uh, Zabosley. And your front three, I'm assuming Salah starts on the right, but two from four, you've got with the South Americans coming back. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just because I just like having on the pitch Nunes down the middle, but I can see, I can see the argument for Gakpo and I can see the argument for Jota over Diaz as well. But just because. I like to see Diaz and Nunes are going to go with those two. Yeah, and both. I'd split them. I'd do Nunes from the start, Diaz on the bench, because Jota's got a very good record against yeah. Man City. And plus, he, he's more of a workhorse, isn't he, in terms of... He always seems to start at the Etihad because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Jota on, on the left, Nunes through the through the middle. Um, I think that he had that brilliant game, didn't he, against City at, at Anfield, and then he got injured, Jota. Jota, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm going to put Jota in there, and then Diaz to come on in the second half if they need a goal. It further sounds of preparation. Uh, Mohamed Salah, who's going to be playing on the right, he has scored 11 goals against Man City for Liverpool. And the only team that he scored more against for Liverpool is? Manchester United. Manchester United with 12. I can also tell you he's got the joint goal contributions for the United because he's got one more assist against City. If you look at that, you know, how good a player is Mohamed Salah, which is what we were saying before. It's like, well, there you go. 
There you go. Because he's only been at Liverpool for what, five, six seasons now? Is it six yeah. seasons? Say only. It's, that's a long time for a modern footballer. But most people who are setting records like that have been there 10, 11, 12 years, like someone like Ian Rush or Roger Hunt. Um, so he's on the right. Nunes down the middle. Uh, he's got to play. He's just. Three goals in the international break. Yeah. I think he's he's somebody who, uh, as we mentioned on a pre- recent podcast, all the debate over him is over. Now it's just when do we play him? And on the left, you mentioned Jota. Every time Jota's been fit as a Liverpool player, he started against Man City in the league. The only game of any repute that he hasn't played in and the start was the FA Cup semi-final. He'd just come back from injury. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So Jota's going to play on the left for me. And that also means that down the left, you've got this Gomez, Jones, Jota, get stuck in, get a bit of, you know, a little bit of class there. Bit narrow though, isn't it? All cutting in. Well, you got enough. Well, you know, you got enough width elsewhere, haven't you? If you really want to, I, w- I will counter that by saying if they've got Phil Foden there, he's cutting in anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. And also, Matic. Let's be honest. Matic scored two goals. One is to get to the byline and cut it back. The other one is just to pass the way through the middle, or you know, whether that's passing it over the top or passing it to Harlan just to run onto, or just intricate passing. So if you bung up the middle, it annoys them a bit, forces them to go out wide. And I think Liverpool certainly got Gomez and Jota on that side. If you've, would you be concerned about Trent and Salah? But I think Salah actually works a lot harder than people give him credit yeah. for, so I wouldn't really be too worried. We spoke about the midfield and where it might be won and lost. I mean, we spoke about Trent against Doku, but Haaland against Van Dijk is going to be a big one as well, isn't it? Van Dijk tends to do well in general against Haaland. So he's only lost one, and that was the League Cup game. Would he play in the League Cup game? Who? Van Dijk. Van Dijk would have done No, I don't think so. You've got lots of the lost Cup didn't he? I can't, so, can't remember who played in that one, to be honest, that League Cup game. Just, oh, it was just after Gomez, World Cup, it? Gomez uh, and oh, the, Robertson, the one he lost Robertson was Atleti, was left back, yeah. and was I right back? I don't know. <laughs> 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 he was the right back. I can't remember now. So long ago. It wasn't Trent because he played for England. Um, I don't know. Sort of erased that from our memories. Anyway. Yeah. Milner? Could have been Milner. Could have yeah. been Milner, actually, yeah. Cavalier played, I know that. And then he got subbed for Oxlade Chamberlain at half time. Nunes, Salah, and then three of them. Oh, Besetic played. Yeah. And then there would have been... It was, was Henderson playing? No, he wouldn't have been there. Why are we even talking about this? Go on. I don't anyway. know. <laughs> um, score predictions, sure. Why not? Oh, three or four, one to Man City. I know, <laughs> we, said, I know we said this before, and, but... I That's because that... you got your goal as a left-back. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was my team, it's, it's like 7-0 to Liverpool, obviously. Um, I just think Liverpool are a good team who can become a better team. But I don't think that they're yet. And Man City, for whatever reason, they've been Liverpool 4 1, 4 0, 5 0. There's been various you know, circumstances for it, explanations for it. One, man, I booted Edison in the face. Second one, they were still on the lash after winning the, winning the league. <laughs> the third one, they're not very good. But I think Liverpool are better than that 4 1. If they do lose 4 1, it'll be because they'll have gone down all guns, guns blazing. But I do think City, I think this is a big game for City. I genuinely think this is a really big game for City. Coming off a draw. Well, it's not even so much that. The one-hour game they played this season against Arsenal, they got beat. Mm. And you saw they reacted after that. And and the other thing for them is that, I know it's not a big thing overall, but if they win, that's 24 home games in a row that they've won. And that's the record in English football. They're currently... Um, level with someone I think it is from again more homework See, I'll that's tell not you. someone I'd have guessed for holding yeah, that record exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, Sunderland 1892-3 something like that so even I wasn't well. even born then yeah I've got in there first <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think it's a big game for City but uh, let's be honest right if Man City win how many people are surprised nobody mm. 
And I think it's a good test for Liverpool. I think they'll put up a good fight. If they want to get anything from the game, what will have to happen is Liverpool will have to play it very, very well. The tactics will have to be spot on. And City are going to have to have a slight issue somewhere along the line, whether it's form, fitness, things not going quite going their way. That's the only, that's the only way Liverpool are going to win. Beth, a more positive score prediction, please. Well, as Trent's in my midfield, it's all <laughs> going to be fine. So um, I'm going to go 2-2. I think there'll be I think there'll be goals both ways. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if it ended up like Oily said there, but I, I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit more confident and say two two. negative. I've actually I was actually speaking positively about Liverpool then because there are only twelve league games into this brand new team, and I think people get. I think people are getting a little bit carried away. I think they've got the makings of a very good team. You've seen in their attack, as Gorsi said before, they just score from all angles. Midfield, we know there's one big issue, whether or not. They change the whole team around just tactically so that it covers for that, which is what Klopp was trying to kind of get yeah, at, yeah. getting at yeah. in his press conference. And defensively, Van Dijk and Allison in particular, they're like they've shown why they were, or probably one of them at least, is still the best in the world in their position yeah. of late. So I do think there's a lot to be positive about. But Manchester City won the treble last year. And we've managed to get all the way through this podcast without mentioning all the other things that people have been talking about all week about Man City. But it's because we're not bitter. We don't yeah. need to talk about it. Yeah, one well, point yeah. being is that... And it's because we they, did a, spo- they... a podcast special on it last Monday. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, we, you know, look at the situation. That Liverpool are back competing with Manchester City again. That's the main thing this season because back in August, nobody would have expected that. You, you mentioned about that line drawn the sand after the City game in, in April. Liverpool have only lost one since then. Hmm. And only City have got more points than them in 23 games. I think City have played 22. So... You know, for all the kind of emerging Liverpool narrative that you were, you were painting there, which I agree with. Also, whatever they've changed since that that game has, has clearly got them back. Yeah, to they, some they, sort they, of yeah, they've, they've, like they've their been own emerging from towards the end of last mm. season. But it's the fact that they've got so many new players in one specific area of the team yeah. that I don't. I think are we surprised that Liverpool are as high up the table as they are now? Especially when you bear in mind the fixtures that they've had as well. Depends when you're asking. If you're asking after the Chelsea game. No, I'm asking before the season. Before the season starts. Well, that's even worse, isn't it? They haven't got the, the full midfield revamping done by then. Is it a surprise that they've done well from that point? I agree with Gorsi, though. I think coming into the season, I think me and Joe have said this before. I, I you know, obviously the priority was top four, but I wouldn't have completely ruled Liverpool out hmm. and challenging for the title. Do you expect them to be challenging for the title at the end of the season? Taking over the podcast here, by the way. <laughs> no, um, I think not having a real sort of world-class holder midfielder will come back to bite them ultimately. But yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. But I don't expect Liverpool to don't think they'll finish lower than third. Mm, I agree with that. You don't yeah. win the title in November, but if they don't win tomorrow, they're not going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't win tomorrow, they're not yeah. going to win it. Yeah, they it's... won't have a chance because, like, you look at the when they can... draw. Even then, that's probably not going to be enough because you think the small margins with Man City in the no, past. No, that's fine. That's fine. And then my scoreline is two-two. By the way, I thought you were going to be nice and positive and go and give us a win. Well, that is positive. That's that. You know, as I say, it's tough the way game of the season. Two-two draw. I'd bite your hand off for it. Started, started the end of the day. Started it and move on. Might give Arsenal a chance to sneak sneak into the top, but it's a fight another day. I still stand by it. Liverpool need to win if they're going to have a chance further on. Just because you look, they've missed out on a title by a goal line clearance and then mm. a couple of goals here. You, you need to make these six oh, points. We did get beat 4 0 at Man City and win the league by 18 points. So, Oh, well. 
that was the, the one other year, wasn't it? <laughs> Years when it's actually been close and it's gone to the wire. Um, I just want to have one more prediction from you all before we finish, and that's: Does Salah get his records this weekend? Does he get the 150th Prem goal, or does he get? Well, and does he get the 200th Liverpool goal? I don't think he'll score two. I think he's got a good shot of getting the 150. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. What he said. He's still all being so negative. I wanted a bit of positive. Like, you literally just said that Mohamed Salah's going to score. You said City. he scores one and it'll be 4 1 to Man City. That's not possible. 4 1, to be fair. Okay, there you go. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. It's gone a bit chaotic here, but maybe that's what Liverpool need on the pitch tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned to our website and our YouTube channel for all the reaction from the Etihad. Gorsty will be there. I'll be there. Doyle will be there. And then you've got Beth at Prenton Park on Sunday. Hopefully, it's going to be a marvellous weekend for everyone of the Liverpool persuasion. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.